Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast. Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen here in the BetMGM studio talking about Carl Lawson, the new Jets pass rusher, formerly of the Cincinnati Bengals. We got Jay Morrison, the beat writer for the Bengals on The Athletic on the podcast today, and he brought the juice, just like Carl Lawson brings the juice off the edge. <laughs> <laughs> Jay Morrison, who you pointed out, had a mullet way back in the day, yep. much like new Jets offensive lineman Dan Feeney. Uh, we are inside the Bet MGM studio, and the Jets are betting on Carl Lawson. They're wow. betting that they have an ascending pass rusher who's going to f- who's going to fill that very critical part of this defense. Jets making a transition from a three-four to a four-three. They needed some speed and some juice off the edge. Enter Lawson and Carl Lawson. When you look at what he brings to the defensive line alone. Then you combine him with Quinn and Williams, Sheldon Rankins, Polaronzo Fadukasi, John Franklin Myers, Vinny Curry added in free agency. There's a laundry list of Jets linemen. The front four or the is looking pretty formidable as we sit here at the end of March. Wander Sala and Jeff Albrecht, I think you can't have enough quality defense alignment because you are going to go to a rotational system. With that being said, last year Cincinnati – um, in Cincinnati, Lawson became a three-down player for the first time in his NFL career. And he's not going to come off the field because in passing situations, you're going to want your best pass rusher out there. And you got Lawson on the edge. What's really enticing, I think, for Jets fans is the Lawson-Quinn and Williams dynamic. Uh, Williams flourished last year from that interior position. That's why he was the number three overall pick in the draft, right? Seven sacks. We saw that potential come to life he's only going to get better now you add Lawson who will be 26 when the regular season starts and you mentioned the defensive line Jets are really deep at the defensive tackle position Mm -hmm. where they had questions entering free agency big questions you would say would be at defensive end and uh, they bring in Lawson longtime Jet uh Jordan Jenkins, I think, handled himself with tremendous amount of class, thanking the Jets organization and Jets fans. Uh, but he is a Houston Texan now, and he was the fit in a 3-4. Once again, you make that system change. And it, it, Salah and Albrecht, they needed a guy who was going to impact the quarterback from the edge. And I think now a lot of Jets fans are saying, well, given the moves in free agency, maybe the Jets won't go edge in the first round or they're – 34th pick overall which is the second round at the top and just on that note I would say never say never right like the the Jets haven't had a young homegrown pass rusher in a long time if the player and the fit and the value all match up you know Robert Sala wants defensive linemen you said that you can't have enough of them ever and with the rotation rested rushers probably your best rusher so We'll see what happens in the draft. I'm not saying they're going to draft one at 223 or 34, but I just wouldn't count it out. Well, you keep your options open. And who's going to be the top overall pass rusher in the draft? We've been talking about it. Is it Quiddy Pay from Michigan? Is it Aziz Ojolari from Georgia? Those are the two names that you hear most often. There are mm-hmm. a couple guys from Miami who have interesting backgrounds in Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips, excuse me, and Gregory Rousseau. Rousseau didn't play last season. He had 15 and a half sacks the last time 
he was on the field. And Phillips says an interesting backstory. But those are guys you're going to hear probably early within the first two rounds, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, assuming Phillips' medical history comes back clean, then absolutely. And Phillips had his pro day recently. I had no idea how cut up he was. But he, he apparently tore it up down in Coral Gables. And let's hear from Jay Morrison of The Athletic for more on Carl Lawson. Jay, before we dive into Carl Lawson, the fine details, both the player and the person, just how would you describe his career in Cincinnati since being drafted in 2017? Um, Overwhelmingly positive. I mean, he was a a fourth-round guy. They got way more out of him than I think a lot of people expected. Uh, He had the ACL injury um, that he, he came back from. Um, he, he, it's a little weird because he, he came just came on like a ball of fire that rookie year, eight and a half sack. He only had 16 tackles that year and eight and a half sacks. Um, I think everybody thought, oh, this is the future. And it, it, it never really, he, he, he never improved on that sack wise. He was still a, a heck of a rusher, but, um, it, it was, it, I think it was more than you could expect from a fourth round pick. And, and he's still, there's still a lot of untapped potential there. You mentioned his rookie season, Jay. Why was he able to excel right away? And also, can you take me back to one particular game where Cincinnati was playing the Green Bay Packers, and I believe he registered two and a half sacks of Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, that was was early in the year. That was uh, week three, I believe it was. Um, They they had not scored a touchdown in their first two games, and that's when – things they they fired their offensive coordinator and uh the defense was kind of driving the team at that point um i, I he was just like a, a tasmanian devil coming off the edge i mean he's got crazy speed and, and great bend and he he just found a way we saw it right away in training camp and and it was it, it wasn't so much at first like this guy is something special you knew he was good but it was more uh-oh they're in trouble because these tackles are not good because that was right after they moved on from Andrew Whitworth and um, they had taken Cedric O'Boyhe and Jake Fisher in the first and second round in the 2015 draft. And now they're counting on them to be their starters in 2017. So it was kind of the combination of things, but uh, a big part of it too, was you had the two leading sackers in Bengals history on that line with Carl and Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap. So it was just, they were all just feasting off each other. and, And a lot of it was, you know, Carl was the first man back and he's kind of feeding sacks to those guys or those guys are getting there and Carl's cleaning up. Um, but it was, it was just a great comment. It was a great defensive line that year. And, and he, he just, that speed that he had off the edge is his main goal going into year two was to get stronger and work on the bull rush. And, um, he did get stronger. We never really saw him become that total complete edge rusher. It's still almost all about the speed with him, but he, he did, uh, improve his game in that regard. And it paid off this year. He, he finally got a chance to be a three down guy. Well, you mentioned earlier about untapped potential. What makes you say that? And, and is his next step, let's say with the jets, just becoming a total, defensive end pass rusher where you can play with speed and power i think he has to learn how to finish and that's where the untapped potential is he he was one of the league leaders in in pressures i mean he gets back there so often and a lot of it was because the bengals pat he was it i mean that as good as that that d-line was his first year in the league it was bad this year so he didn't have any other guys helping him this year he was always the first one back there and he just 
there were so many times where he was in position to make sacks and he, he either overran it or, or the guy wiggled free. And I just think once he, he learns how to finish, he can, he can become a consistent double digit sack guy. Um, it, it's something I know that he's, he's focused on improving. Um, I think it's, a, it played into the fact that why the Bengals let him walk. I mean, they signed Trey Hendrickson, who's, uh, you know, had one breakout year from the Saints. It was kind of a just a swap meet. They they let Carl Lawson go, and then they set they signed Trey Hendrickson. And I just I don't I don't know that they had full faith that that he's ever going to develop into that major finisher. But but I think he will. Just knowing the guy, how committed he is to working hard and his craft, and um, I, I look for big things for Carl in New York. Jay, were you surprised by that move? Because the Bengals did enter free agency with some flexibility and. Like you said, they opted for Hendrickson as opposed to keeping Lawson in their system, a guy they invested in, and he's been part of the Bengals franchise for four years. Yeah, I was a little surprised, but not totally, because that's the way the Bengals operate. They put a price on a guy, and if someone outbids him, they're not going to get in a bidding war. And, and I think they felt there were other edge rushers out there that they could get at their price. They wanted Carl back. They tried, they did try to get Carl back, but the jets threw more money than the Bengals were willing to match. And they had that, that little bit of doubt in the back of their head, whether he was ever going to be an elite guy. We, we had this whole Mythbusters series that we did at the athletic where each, each writer picked a, a myth so to speak, uh, about their team. And mine was, is Carl Lawson an elite edge rusher? And uh, we didn't bust the myth and we didn't prove it. We, we said jury's still out. It's it's just there's – that's the big question with him is is he can – can he learn how to finish? And I, I, I think maybe the Bengals had a little bit of doubt and they stuck to their guns on their, their price point and let him walk. Can you talk a little, a little bit about his work ethic? You kind of mentioned it in your answer that you would bet on Carl Lawson to become that complete pass rusher – but I just wondering, can you talk about his work ethic a little bit? Because I think that's something that Robert Sala and Joe Douglas always stress that they're looking for in players. Yeah, I, I think by by and large, most NFL guys are really committed to working out and in and, and, and just having that work ethic. But but Carl just embodied it. I mean, that's all he talked about. Um, he, he loved to work out. He, he had that ACL injury and came back way faster than they expected because of how hard he hit the rehab. And it, it helped too that, uh, one of the Bengals defensive linemen, um, Ryan Glasgow suffered a ACL injury a couple weeks before him. And they, they were kind of workout partners and they both came back sooner than expected, but it's just, he's, it's not just the workouts and going hard in practice, but he's a real student of the game he, he appreciates the history he studies guys and their techniques and he, he loves talking about it if you guys ever can get him one-on-one -on -one in locker room he'll, he'll talk your ear off about that kind of stuff he's just a, a really personable engaging guy that is is very very committed to being the best player he can be jay i had a chance to visit with them shortly after he signed with the jets seems like he has an infectious personality yeah. uh, it, like there's a very good way about him and with that being said fun guy but also he made it clear that he wants to be an elite player did you sense that passion in him yeah yeah right from the get-go and he is it, it's hard for rookies to come in because they the the vets will get on him if they're talking to the media a lot and, and Carl never worried about that he and, and he's one of those guys that will 
not just sit there and spout cliches at you and he won't just talk football he'll he'll talk other things he'll he'll ask you about you and your family and he's just he's just you said it just a very personable guy and um i think that came across in his in his opening press conference with the media there it came across in almost every press conference he did here whether it was on zooms this past year uh, those were really bad for most of them across the league it, it was it's just a it's an impersonal thing and you could see how stiff a lot of the players were on there and he's he's cracking jokes and engaging in people and and like he did with Kim Jones um, you know mentioning him by name and and it, it's just it, he's a really fun guy to be around and a fun guy to watch play you know Carl also said in his press conference maybe he just told EA that something he was looking forward to doing is becoming more of a leader with the Jets and did you ever sense that from him in Cincinnati that maybe he was not the guy, but he was the guy in waiting per se. Um, I don't, I, I, I don't, it's not any, a knock on him. They just had this, this Bengals roster, which is now the churn is almost complete, but they had so many of the old Marvin Lewis veterans still in that locker room. And it was, you know, AJ green, or it was Andy Dalton in Carl's first three years here. Um, it, it was just kind of a, a sense of deferment to those guys and, 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 uh, especially in his own um, position group room, he's got Carlos Dunlap and Gino Atkins, and and Gino is doesn't say a word, but he is a commanding force, and and he is a a leader, um, even without being a vocal one. And I, I think he just he just kind of deferred to those guys, and I, I think he sees this as a a clear or a fresh start. You know, not you're going to a team, you can kind of jump into that leadership role. You're you're being paid big money. So I think it's expected of you in, in some regard. So I don't think anyone's gonna say, Hey, who's the new guy trying to lead? So that that will be one of the more interesting things to watch is is how he can how he can translate that personality into leadership inside the locker room. How about the physical skill set? Because he's blessed with this tremendous explosion off the edge. We know that, and he's got the speed. And you mentioned Carlos Dunlap. Well, Dunlap is a longer player. How mm -hmm. is Lawson still able to be effective even though, you know, I think scouts would tell you he's not the longest athlete? Yeah, that's just it. I mean, his the way he can get so low uh, when he bends going around the edge, he gets under a lot of these offensive tackles where it almost works to his advantage, advantage instead of disadvantage by being a little bit smaller. Um, I, I do – he's still – it was it was his first year to be a three down guy. They they kind of saw what they saw in Carlos Dunlap. They weren't real happy with his effort and with how he he was playing against the run. And it was early in the season, week two, where they they benched Carl and or um, Carlos and and kind of turned more to Carl. And he's been waiting for this chance. And and he wasn't a liability against the run, but he was it was nothing eye popping. He was just kind of a guy out there on rundown. So that's that's one area where he he needs to take a big step forward. Um, if he can do that and start finishing, like I mentioned earlier, then yeah, the sky's the limit for him. What do you think about? the way that Carl adds to this defensive line along with Quinnen Williams and the way that it's coming together where you have Carl Quinnen and then the Jets go out and sign Sheldon Rankins where this defensive front is now looking really formidable and could in theory get after some people come the 2021 season. Yeah, that's just it. I mean, even if for Carl's personal game, he would like to become a better finisher, but that's not necessarily needed. If you've got the guys like Will 
Quinnen and and Rankins pushing up it from the inside, Carl can be that guy that he can get back there, get the pressure, force the the quarterback to step up into the pocket, and, and those guys clean it up. It, it's for stats and salary, yeah, they like to get it. But if when it talks when you're talking about winning games and and just playing football in general, it doesn't matter who gets the sacks as long as someone gets them, and and he can be. A, a really key piece in that with, with how fast he gets back there and, and how disruptive he is. And if he finishes great, but if not, if you've got other guys right there to, to clean it up, it, it's all the same. So 20 sacks and 51 career games. What I'm hearing from you, Jay, is you like the player, uh, not only just as a talent, but as a guy who's going to put in the work. Do you see double-digit sack potential for him at some point during his career with the Jets because I know Jets fans have been praying for an edge guy with speed and I think it goes all the way back to the days of John Abraham yeah I mean I think he's got it in him but it, it comes down to a lot of what was the situation in Cincinnati you're playing on a losing team and if you're playing from behind constantly it just greatly reduces your the number of times you get to rush the passer. If, if if the Jets can turn things around and start playing with the lead in the second half and particularly in the fourth quarter and, and force teams into must-pass situations, then, yeah, I think he can get there. It's, it's, it's hard to say he will because he's never done it. Eight and a half was his career high, but – that's not that far from 10 and with with the untapped potential he has and the, the the potential for the Jets to get this turned around and and become a winning team under Robert Sala I, I think he can get there Jay one final question from me and it's unrelated to Carl Lawson you know your Twitter bio says mullet alumnus with receipts and I'm trying to think <laughs> of NFL players that have a mullet well one of them is new Jets offensive lineman Dan Feeney. So, one, have you seen the mullet or photos of the mullet? And, two, what do you think of the mullet? You know, I haven't. I haven't seen his mullet. Um, I, I cut mine in the early 2000s and uh, never never went back. I, I, uh, my wife was getting a haircut, and uh, it was at a friend of ours' house that was a, a hairdresser and had a, had a couple of beers, and they talked me into cutting it off, and I did, and I've never <laughs> gone back. Uh, but, it, but I do. I have receipts. I have a lot of uh, pictures from the high school and college days of the, of the flowing locks. Wow. I love it. We've all played with our hair before. That's all part of it. <laughs> hey, Jay, uh, let's make a transition uh, to the draft, though. Bengals sitting there okay. at number five overall. Just your thoughts, because the Jets sitting there at two, and they also had the 23rd overall selection in the 2021 draft. That's coming up now in a couple weeks. What's Cincinnati rooting for in front of them? Yeah, you know, I I asked that exact question of of Zach Taylor, the head coach. You know, would you prefer four quarterbacks go off the board and you've got your choice of the best non-quarterback, or would you prefer that, that maybe only two go and, and then you've got teams behind you that are dialing you up and getting into, into a bidding war to move up to take one of those quarterbacks. And he just said, we'll be prepared for, for whatever, but it, it, it just, it feels like it's going to be Jamar chase or a trade back. And the, the Bengals have, they've been burned with trades before. And, and you just wonder how gun shy they are, even if it's the right move. Um, but so I think that's what they're hoping is that it's four quarterbacks off the board and then they get to pick between Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell. But yeah, if it's me, I'm, I'm trading back and, and, and getting extra picks. Um, they, they, they don't have a lot. They used to 
when they were going to the playoffs five years in a row, they had a lot of comp picks and they really stacked some drafts. That's not been the case lately. They still have a lot of holes to fill. And I just, I think with, with how deep this offensive line and receiver classes are, and those being their two biggest needs, they could they could really make some headway in the second round by picking up some extra picks and only moving back, you know, five to ten spots. Yeah, five to ten spots. Great stuff from Jay. He'll be looking at photos of Dan Feeney's mullet. You know, I, I I really do like the mullet. I don't think I would ever do it. I don't know if I could do it, but I like Dan Feeney's mullet. Have you ever shaved your head? No, but I used to spike my hair. Well, I definitely can see the spike. I, I think anybody who follows you on social media saw you at the Carrier Dome <laughs> celebrating after a three-pointer in intramural, ba- intramural basketball. It was not intramural basketball. You pro- Have you dyed your hair? Um, you probably done that as well, I bet you. No, I, I don't think so. I'm trying to think maybe for Halloween one year, put like a blue gel in, but I don't think I have ever dyed it. A blue gel? Yeah, like so your hair had like a tint of a color to go with the costume, but I don't remember what it was for. I picked my head a couple times. My mom really did not like that. <laughs> and then also, I feel like people automatically are going to take a step back when you pick your head. It's like, oh, my God. Right. What's your deal? You know what I'm saying? So that, have you ever colored? Not colored, but like done like a what? No, I put sun in my hair when I was like. No frosted tips? Six, no. Andrew Agro from uh, Corporate Sponsorships. Frosted tips. Really? Take a look, yeah. Wow, I hope he has receipts. <laughs> <laughs> I got to see some photos. Oh, oh we do. <laughs> <laughs> and how old was he? Oh, he's during college. This is a college years. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Drew was a college football player. Wait, who was? Andrew. Oh, he was? Yeah. All right, we'll talk about this off the air. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. But anyway, in terms of free agency, I know that we're going to start shifting to the draft real soon because it's the start of April and the draft is April 29th. We're going all draft on the official Jets podcast coming up. We are, but we have to put a bow on free agency. And we've talked about before how free agency shapes more of what you would maybe consider what will happen in the draft in terms of the first couple rounds. And, you know, I think that the Jets are in a good spot overall heading into the draft and the couple positions that have stood out in terms of that there have been no moves so far. You think about the interior of the offensive mm-hmm. line, supposed to be a good class in terms of the draft. Well, Feeney, you mentioned them all. Right. Yep, you're right, you're right. <laughs> Feeney's the only one. And cornerback, I don't think the Jets have signed anybody or re-signed anybody at the time in which we're taping. That's fair. What's going to happen in the nickel position? Javelin Gidry, who I really like a lot and flashed down the stretch last year, he showed more. Uh, he showed people that he was more than just a speed guy coming out of Utah. I, I like his potential. But Brian Poole gave you 23 good games over the last two seasons. Jeff Albrick, familiar with him from their days together in Atlanta. He still is an unrestricted mm-hmm. free agent. So what are the Jets doing there? We talked about in the past, I think Bryce Hall and Bless Austin, it, good Physical skill sets for what the Jets are probably going to do on the outside here. And then you mentioned the interior offensive line. Right now, it's a group that includes Feeney started a lot of games with the Chargers. You got Alex Lewis still on this roster and Greg Van Roten, of course. Uh, But the two positions, what stand out in free agency, defensive line. This podcast has largely been on Carl Lawson, Mm -hmm. and he's the headliner. But you brought in Vinnie Curry as well. Vinnie Curry is going to be probably the oldest guy in this roster, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, he, he's definitely up there. I mean, Greg Van Roten, I think, is about 30 years old. Well, well Curry's going to be 33, I think, yeah. when the season starts. Yeah, I think I'll double check, but so the I, point I, I, right the, now, the point the on Curry is the connection with Joe Douglas. He's also a guy who's probably going to be a rotational fit for you who can give you good play opposite Lawson at times, more stout, push the pocket, um, because you're going to have Lawson on this side. Um, and then where you also got deeper, underrated maybe a little bit is the wide receiver position because right. not only did he get Corey Davis and he told the media, I consider myself a number one receiver and the Jets think he's an ascending player, but Keelan Cole added to the mix as well and he's got flexibility where he can play slot and outside. I think another position maybe goes overlooked is safeties hmm. just because Marcus May – was franchise tag. I mean, that's that move still happened. You know, you still have to give the credit to Joe Douglas for keeping Marcus May in the building, even though they're still working on a long-term deal. Marcus May's in the building. He could have said, you know, we're not going to tag him. We're going to test free agency. Marcus May could have walked, right? That, that could have been a scenario. Instead, Marcus May comes in. Probably not a likely scenario, but it's a scenario nonetheless. Marcus May comes back, and then you add LaMarcus Joyner. Now you're three safeties on the roster right now. Marcus May, LaMarcus Joyner, and Ashton Davis, where at the end of the season it was May, Davis, Farley, Matthias Farley, Bennett Jackson. I think he got a little more talented in that room. So I think that that's a position that often goes overlooked just because it's assumed that Marcus May was never like in the free agent portal, which I guess he technically wasn't. But that room still got a boost with the return of May and the addition of Joyner. And I think that's another position that, Maybe we could see another guy added, whether it's free agency or the draft, because right now I think the Jets only have three of them. No, I think they got one more check on that. I will. <laughs> Joyner gives you a position of flexibility because that's a former second-round pick who started his career with the Rams. The last couple seasons he's been playing with the Raiders, and they actually had him play the nickel spot. I think he's going to be more of a true safety with the Jets, but he can play – either one of those spots. You mentioned May and Davis. I would imagine the Jets right now, as you sit here in April, are thinking May's your free safety and Ashton Davis is more your box guy. But uh, you get more depth and you get another culture guy when you bring in somebody like LaMarcus Joyner. How about the running back position, Greens? A lot of bodies there. And Tevin Coleman added to the mix. So now it's Tevin Coleman, LaMichael P. Ryan. Um, Ty Johnson and Josh Adams. And Petey Guerrero. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the guy you were talking about, I think it was JT Hassel, yes. the other safety, yep. who I didn't know has only like three fingers on one hand. Fun I, fact. I didn't know that. So the, the Jets running backs, you know, I, I'm very interested to see what's going to happen in the draft because right now I think we're under the assumption it's looking like a running back by committee similar to San Francisco and what – Kyle Shanahan has out there. Well, yeah, right. But 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 I'm just going to put this out there. Like I just watched a video of Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network saying the best fit he believes for Travis Etienne is with the Jets. And if the Jets go the running back by committee approach, for me it's hard to believe that they would take Etienne at 23 or 34 if he were there in one of those situations. How much do you like Etienne? I like Etienne. I think he's. I think Etienne is dynamic. He's fast and. You know, what, what Dane Brugler of The Athletic told 
asked me when we broke down the running backs, he said ETN is like a home run hitter. He might strike out, but he'll hit a home run. You know, you, you can never count him out to hit a home run. And the stat that really stands out to me in terms of ETN is that he has scored a touchdown in 46 out of 55 career games. He has 4,000 rushing yards, 1,000 receiving yards. He's a dynamic player. No matter who's playing quarterback, he could also provide a checkdown option where he could then get a lot of yards after the catch. It will be interesting if he is on the board at 23. Who else is going to be on the board at 23? I'm just wondering, in the NFL, in a league that covets its playmakers, mm-hmm. if he goes off before 23 overall, you're talking more than seven yards of carry over the course of his career, also adept catching the ball out of the backfield. Perfect fit for the system because one cut and then downhill. Right. And, it, you know, he's something special in the open field. Uh, you think the Kamara comparisons are fair? Yeah, I think it's hard. I think it's also interesting. I love player comparisons, but it's also difficult to compare because Alvin Kamara was a third-round pick. Yeah. So I, I think it's – I think Well, my point on that was it, because you said it seems like the Jets are going to do running back by a committee. I think everybody does. Even Kamara, who right. is an unbelievable talent, when he started, it was him and Mark Ingram. They were sharing the load in New Orleans. So, And uh, the way Sean Payton is used his ball carriers. And then you look at San Francisco and Mostert and Jeff Wilson and uh, Matt Breed, all these guys. I think Wilson led the 49ers in carries last year right. with 126. Yeah, I think it's there's like two trains of thought here. Then also if we think about what the Green Bay Packers do, that's a running back by committee to a degree. Yeah at least the past couple of years with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, but Aaron Jones is clearly the lead horse there. So will and Jones is an offensive weapon though. Right. He's another guy just like ETN. ETN's probably going to be, we got, we're thinking about running backs. I think the old school thought was, what do they do? You know, when they get the handoff, but, but like Aaron Jones is an offensive weapon. It, yes. Yeah. I think that's a good way to compare it. But like when you're thinking of Aaron Jones, like, I, I think it is, let's say if you were to do like a percentage share, you know, 80-20 Jones and Jamal Williams or, you know, 70-30, whereas San Francisco, it just feels like, you know, maybe if you're going between Mostert, Wilson, and Coleman, maybe it's like 40-20, you know what I mean? Like, it, the, the pie is a little more even in San Francisco. I, and the thing is, we don't know – how Mike LaFleur views this system because obviously we're, he, he his, he's a Shanahan disciple, but he's going to have his own wrinkles. We don't know what those wrinkles are. So I think this is all part of the, the, the mystery of the draft that's usually there. This is heightened because we don't know what types of players Mike LaFleur wants. Yeah, but we do know the Jets like Tevin Coleman because right. Tevin Coleman started his career in Atlanta. Mike LaFleur was there. He signed a free agent contract under Kyle Shanahan and Mike LaFleur. He signs with the New York Jets. And Coleman's a burner. I think we look at his stats last year, and he's dealt with some injuries and say, well, you know, maybe, you know, he can't burn anymore. He's a guy who can get downhill. And the Jets got Connor McGovern in the middle. 
Got one of the best young run blockers in the National Football League on the left side, and Mackay backed in. And I, I think Fant is going to be a good fit for this system at right tackle. Yeah, and the one final thing I have to say about running back is the other part of the equation here is can you find value in the in the second or third round or fourth round? When you look at years past, you mentioned Kamara, third round pick last year, Antonio Gibson for Washington, third round pick. J.K. Dobbins, I think, was a second round pick. But then you there's also his value in the first round, like Clyde Edwards-Alaire was a first-round pick last year for the Kansas City Chiefs. So there's two sides of the coin. It'll be interesting to see which side the Jets will fall on, and that's what we have the month of April to discuss. All things draft, full steam ahead as the first round commences April 29th in Cleveland, Ohio. And that's how we wrap up this edition of the official Jets podcast.